Welcome to Raiders on the Record, the podcast featuring Hastings High School Athletics. I'm Athletic Director Trent Hansen. My colleague Tim Hanneberg and I work together to bring you the stories of Raider sports. We are thrilled to share conversations with the athletes, coaches, and alumni that represent Raider Nation. Check back weekly and be sure to share this podcast with your friends in the Raiders Network. Today's episode features Dr. Sindra Kampoff. Sindra is a speaker, best-selling author, and certified sports performance consultant who helps individuals and teams gain the high-performance edge so they can thrive and reach new levels of potential. She is based at Minnesota State University, Mankato, where she directs the Center for Sport and Performance Psychology. Sindra works regularly with professional and collegiate athletes, as well as organizations like the Minnesota Vikings, Target, and the Mayo Clinic Health System. She is a former state champion in cross-country running, was a scholarship collegiate athlete, and she has completed numerous Boston marathons. She and her husband live in southern Minnesota with their two boys. Sindra has been working directly with Hastings High School athletic team since 2018 in a unique mental training partnership. This was a dynamic conversation full of wisdom and great takeaways, and we hope you enjoy it. We'll start with a little fun activity, just to introduce you, let people get to know you a little bit differently. So I'm going to give you five good questions, and they're just quick hitters, right? So just okay, perfect. Just brief ones. So hometown and what high school did you graduate from? I am from Sheldon, Iowa, and I graduated, graduated from Sheldon High School. Got it. Uh, first job, you like either as a youngster or a professional, take it either way. When I was in um, high school, in the summers mostly, because I was competing during the year, but worked at Dairy Dandy. It was like a, a Dairy Queen. <laughs> Awesome. Um, what's your best or earliest sports memory as a youngster? We'll get into your, a little bit of your student athlete career later, but what's the earliest one? These are fun questions, Trent. <laughs> <laughs> My earliest memory is like me um, racing the two boys down the street, um, Ben and Andy Haugen, <laughs> I would beat them. <laughs> so proud awesome. of myself. <laughs> Awesome. Uh, give us three of your favorite things, whether it's favorite movie or music or time of the year, an author, three favorites for you. Um, three favorites. I really like Brene Brown's books. Um, and uh, I would say her books. I like um, the Success Principles by Jack Canfield that really inspired me. I had him on my podcast in April. Um, he wrote like the Chicken Soup for the Soul podcast or the Chicken Soup for the Soul books. Yeah. And um, I really like pasta. So I think as a runner okay. growing up, my mom would always like feed me, you know, spaghetti because she thought that would make me, you know, carbo load. So it's just like something <laughs> that's part of me. I love lasagna like that's what I make for my family when they they really want something special from me <laughs> fantastic all right and the last one here uh what are three words to describe you um positive energetic passionate fantastic appreciate it so let's dive into what you're doing now right kind of how we've come to know each other or the work that you're doing in Hastings and all these other places just describe for folks what's your current role what's your occupation like what do you do and where do you do it I know there's a lot of tentacles to that but I'll give you the mic to describe it for people in a way that makes sense for you so I would describe you know that 
at the heart of what I do is help people train their mind from a mental perspective and really help them gain the edge from a mindset perspective. So um, that's at the heart of what I do. I'm a professor at Minnesota State Mankato, uh, but I also have my own business where um, I help people do that as well. So there's a lot of different parts of that. I think, you know, I am an author of a book called Beyond Grit and a workbook and working on a, a second one, Trent, uh, that I'm excited awesome. about in 2021. Um, and then I'm a speaker and I'm a mental performance coach on, as well. So I work with a lot of different types of people, um, athletes for sure, pro athletes, some high school athletes, um, and then mentor uh, students to do the same. So really to help kind of grow the profession of sports psychology, but that's what my PhD is in is sport and performance psychology. So there's a lot to unpack there, right? Uh, so, yeah, so much. <laughs> yeah, which is great. And so my next question is, is kind of the, the why, right? Why this pathway for you? How did you arrive here? So, you know, probably in high school was really where I cultivated my own athletic experience and my career athletically. Um, I was, um, you know, I think from these early moments where I was racing against Andy and Ben, <laughs> uh, and by the way, Andy Haugen ended up being like our best man at my husband and I's wedding. So isn't that kind of fun how that works out? Um, but, you know, I, I've always just grew interest. I just always had interest in running and competing. And um, between my junior and sophomore year of high school, just did a really great job of training in the summer and just turned my own kind of um, fitness just around. And uh, my junior year in high school was a runner up at state in cross country and then ended up senior year uh, winning the state in the mile in the state of Iowa. So that's allowed me to get a college scholarship and a full ride to run at the University of Northern Iowa. And so I was really excited to run division one. It was one of my goals is to like, okay, can I get to the highest level? Can I become an all American? And I had a lot of talent, Trent, and actually was really gritty. I worked really, really, really hard. Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, but it was like my mindset that kept on getting in my own way. And in high school, I felt like I was, you know, just kind of growing, um, getting stronger as a competitor. I didn't really have a lot of doubt and my confidence was decently pretty high. You know, my parents were really supportive. I had a coach that really pushed me, but then I got to college and it was like, I was a, a, a small fish in a big pond. And that's where I really struggled with my own mindset, just really kind of up and down the four years in college, had some really amazing years um, where I, um, you know, was, um, um, did really well at conference and things like that, but never really reached my goal of an All-American and just inconsistent in general. And I was just trying to figure out my own self, to be honest, and uh, saw a sports psychologist. She wasn't very practical, so she's really theoretical, and um, I didn't really know what to do with that. And so I felt like, I felt kind of trapped at, at points, and that's really my why and why I still especially do work at the high school level because, you know, I maybe kind of picture them as me and I needed sure. the information and I needed the skills and I needed the, the mental training. Um, and, you know, and when I was competing, it was several years ago, there wasn't really pot, there wasn't podcasts, there wasn't practical books, you know, there wasn't really the how to. 
And I think that's also what's made me really practical, you know, just trying to break it down for people just so that they know and understand the how. But that's really my why. It's a strong one. Oh, I love it. Yeah. So with that as the foundation, and I appreciate the, the roots of your personal experience there, right? Maybe take us down the pathway from a professional standpoint in terms of the kind of training or experiences or decisions you made along the way, either about what when you decided to pursue a particular degree or what that looked like in, in terms of a graduate level, you're talking about the application and the practice, right? Which is so relevant for everyone now, but you certainly had to establish your own level of credibility and, and, and all the knowledge that comes with it. What was that part of it like once you recognized, hey, this is, this is the why and this is how I can you know, kind of make a, a really healthy dent in this part of the world. How did you get there then? Because you have to have some of those technical pieces to come alongside it. Yeah, great question. And I think that took a, a long time, right? Like many years. Uh, first, it was kind of exploring, okay, how do I, what kind of education do I need to actually make a dent in this field and make a difference and be credible? So I went on and got my master's in sports psychology. I did actually work in between my master's and my PhD as an athletic academic advisor. And I thought maybe that was what I, how I wanted to support athletes, but I felt kind of responsible for their academics, like um, that I might lose my job if, if the football players were ineligible or something. So I quickly realized like, okay, this isn't really for me. Um, and then went and got back and went and finished my PhD. And I actually pursued, so like my PhD, I got at the University of North Carolina in Greensboro. So my husband and I lived in Greensboro. Um, we love North Carolina. And then we were pregnant with, you know, our first son. And at that point, Trent, you can probably remember what that's like, and you feel like you have to make some difficult decisions. You know, do I do we stay in North Carolina, so far from our family? My husband and I both grew up in Iowa, or do we kind of make our way back? And it's kind of interesting those conversations we had. Do we pursue my career or my husband's? Like, how do we how do we make this decision? And so I ended up applying um, for the faculty position at uh, Minnesota State Mankato. My husband and I, we would always like drive from North Carolina to Iowa every Christmas. And one year we made a list of places we would never live and places we would love to live. And the places we would love to live were like California, Florida. Um, Minnesota was number one in the places we wouldn't, we didn't want to live. <laughs> it was too cold oh my god um, it's so funny because we've been here for 11 years and we're not leaving <laughs> so it's just kind of ironic how that worked but we decided all right we're gonna try this out and um and really as I started my faculty position I really wasn't out there much with my own expertise Trent like I felt like I was a little bit of a fraud where I was teaching students like how to do this but I wasn't doing it and then okay. I just started doing it more and more. And, you know, I, I have a, a kind of this question I always ask myself, like, does this give me energy? And, you know, it's like, the, I want to pursue the things that give me more energy. So that's what I've just been doing probably over the last 11 years is um, just pursuing things that would give me more energy. There was a kind of crucible moment, maybe my first year into the position where there were some budget cuts at, um, okay. at the university. And, uh, and, and um, one of my colleagues thought I was going to be the person that was going to get cut. And it kind of made me realize that, like, you know, nobody really knows about sports ecology. You know, if, if I was really making a dent, I, people wouldn't question if I was going to be the person that was cut. So that well, kind sure. of 
also made me do things a little bit differently, writing in the newspaper and starting the center now that we have, um, just to help make a difference. So it's interesting how these really difficult moments actually help shape us. Yeah, well said. It's, I think it's fascinating from a consumer's point of view that when you hear the words like sports psychology or mental training, they're not uncommon anymore, but yet yeah. they seem to be something in the world of sport, at least that kind of belongs at the pro level, you know, or the yeah. college level. And I think that you've been a huge, you know, lightning rod for this. Um, I think a lot of us at the high school level and even younger have recognized there's a really important place for that type of work, if you want to call it that, at, at that tier. And um, I think we're in year three or four working with you, but I still have to kind of explain and market to people what we're doing, you know, when right. we engage with you and engage with your group. I, and that's, that's okay. Yeah. But I think that the other part of it is that we have, you know, highly trained coaches in a lot of areas, but the, the mental training piece just isn't part, it's just not part of their toolbox with a lot of the traditional, right. you know, undergraduate training or other experiences that they get. So I think that you're arriving at a place that is just in such a need, you know, and it's yeah. things that kids can apply, of course, as athletes and then outside of their sport. But um, yeah. what would you say, no matter who the client base is, what, what's the most rewarding part of the work that you do or the roles that you have? I think the most rewarding part for me is when a team really buys in or a person really buys in. And I agree, Trent, there's um, more awareness of the mental side of sport and performance than ever before. You know, definitely more than, you know, when I was going through graduate school. Um, and I, I hope that, you know, like, I think that's one of my life's purpose is to like um, grow the field and grow awareness of the field. I was reading this article, actually, this was this little YouTube video clip of Simone Biles, you know, one of the yeah, best sure. gymnasts of all time. And she saw a sports psychologist and she was describing that she sat down with him for the first time and he was asking her these questions and she was just kind of pretending that he wasn't even there, you know, <laughs> and, you know, and, and he was like, what's going on? Why are you not answering my questions? And she said, well, I feel like there's something wrong with me that I'm here with you. And he said, just because the word psychology is in sports psychology doesn't mean there's something wrong with you. And I think there's still a little bit of stigma of that. You know, I, I actually see that a little bit more even at the pro level than at the high school level, because I think high school athletes and college athletes, they just want to get, get ahead. They want to kind of out, you know, they want to just get to the edge over their opponents. So they're a little bit more open. But I think especially when there's a lot of ego involved, Sure. Um, there's a little bit more like uh, biases to unpack. Uh, but to me, there's, you know, we, our mindset is, is, you know, the most important thing that we have. Every decision we go, we make goes through our mind. And so by training your mind, I actually think you're um, kind of seeing all parts of your performance and that you're not just, you know, training the physical part. And this is what's going to help you deal with pressure and, you know, the moments that you really want to perform well in. If you don't have this part right, um, you're not going to be able to really uh, do what you want to uh, in the moments that you really want to do it in. Yeah, right on. So is there any part of your uh, professional role or any particular event or any kind of training that you feel like kind of really brings out your best? You know, is it writing? Is it working with an individual? Is it working with a team? Is it the large corporation? Or I, I don't know, maybe it's all of it, but is there anything that kind of stick, you know, because when we think of athletes, sometimes there's that one opponent 
there's yeah. that kid in the street they're running against that kind of really gets them cranked up, right? Or yeah. or brings out their best performance in your professional role. Those are something like that that gets your attention or kind of ratchets yeah. your energy up a little bit. You know, I'd say like all of that as you were saying it. <laughs> I think the times where I come most alive is when I'm with a team. So if it's, you know, when I'm delivering, let's say a workshop and the team's really understanding it and, and, and bought in. And usually when the coach is bought in, that really helps because then the team really sees, hey, this is a way that, you know, we can kind of gain the edge of also, also gain some really important skills. Um, you know, there's been times where I've been on like the sidelines of a Maver football game, for example. So one of the teams I've worked with for I don't know, I think nine years now, ever since Adam Thielen was a, a senior here, I started working with the Minnesota State Maverick football team. And I'm usually on the sidelines every Saturday during home games. And there's this one moment um, last year during the playoffs where the third quarter was a complete snowstorm. And so uh, actually we couldn't really even see the field. And all we did for the third quarter was our running back just ran the ball. And so literally he just ate up the clock. We scored a touchdown. Um, and the Friday before, like literally the day before, I was talking about using the stoplight analogy to um, kind of understand your own performance and understand when you're at your best and ways that you could like just um, when you're kind of getting out of the green zone and the green zone is like when you're in the flow, when you're in peak performance, how do you recognize when you're in your, in your yellow or your red? And I gave them each like a little... Um, a bracelet to wear that was just like three strings, right? Like nothing fancy. Okay. It was like green, yellow, um, and red. This is just, a, just as a reminder. And so, you know, he's just uh, grinding it out third quarter, basically, you know, just helping us win the game. And we were, we were down, we were losing the game. And uh, right after that run and his score, he came over to me and he said, you know, green mode, man. You know? <laughs> <laughs> I was like, I was like, that's it. Okay, I'm gonna retire. You know? <laughs> the, the, actually the Mavericks won the game. Um, and it was just this incredible, really cool moment where uh, they overcame a lot of adversity. So it's like these moments, you don't get them very often where it's like, okay, this is exactly why I do what I do. Or messages from athletes who really, thrived at a competition um, or teams who made it where they wanted to go. And they, you know, they just acknowledged that you made a difference. And that's, yeah. that's really my why. That's very cool. So for someone listening, let's, let's call it a high school parent, right? They've hopped onto this because they know that their sophomore daughter is going to have a chance to work with you or uh, whatever it might be. Can you paint them a, a picture in just a couple minutes of what it kind of looks like and feels like when you work with a high school team that's how we're experiencing it right in our own community yeah. when you come in and work with somewhere between mm -hmm. 15 and 50 kids at a time but um i'm spoiled i've observed it a number of times but for those that haven't what the heck is going on when when my kid is working with Cindra? what is it yeah. what happens yeah good question so really i i think of what we're doing is helping build a mental toolbox of different tools that athletes can use when they perform so one of the things that I'm happy that we do is we really try to see what's happening with the team and then try to find a topic that would fit with where the team's at. So we might explore mental toughness or confidence or motivation. We might do a session on imagery or focus, like attention. Um, there's a lot of self-talk is what we talk about a lot, you know, and how can you direct your thoughts to really be more powerful when you're playing? 
And so, you know, all of our workshops, really interactive, fun, um, but educational at the same time. And we try to teach the how, you know, the how to improve performance and how the how to, you know, enjoy your teammates more and support each other. So my favorite topics to talk about, um, I love talking about energy and momentum. That's really fun on a team because that can make a really big impact. Um, I like talking about letting go of mistakes because I think that um, uh, especially high school athletes really struggle with that. And it might come from pressure to be perfect, you know, just um, pressure maybe from parents or coaches. You know, we don't, we don't try to put pressure on our kids, um, but we might um, at the same time. And I think just really uh, tools that they can use to let go of the past play or the past mistake and really get in the present moment, I think are really important. And the, all these things we can train, we're not born with. Um, they're practices. In, uh, and honestly, they're practices we have to remind ourselves every day. You know, there's more people kind of talking, Trent, about how they do train their mind, like pro athletes. I'm thinking about LeBron James, Kobe Bryant even talked about how he trained his mind. Adam Thielen, our, you know, our, our wide receiver for the Vikings has talked a lot about it. So it's like, there's more and more people talking about how they train their mind. Yeah. And I'm, I'm going to put you on the spot too a little bit. So can you give a, a simple, for instance, right? So, um, you know, if we were in the room listening and you're talking about that kind of responding to a mistake, because yeah. part of it is that's the lab of athletics. I mean, you're in a position to make a mistake yeah. routinely, right? And right? Kids are making them constantly, right. sometimes because it's the nature of competition and other times it's yeah. the nature of improvement, right? You need to be right. on the edge of your, of your capability, but, mm -hmm. but in practicality, can, can you maybe give people like one nugget of like, what's an exercise that you would do or a takeaway that a kid would leave with? Absolutely. So the strategy that I would teach in that moment is something I call learn, burn, return. And it's a really quick process. It's something I needed as a college athlete, but didn't have, you know, I remember kind of my junior year, I still have sometimes dreams and nightmares about this race, Trent. <laughs> like, man, I need, must need to process it. But I remember this one race I had. Glad that I, I could help you. Tanked. Go ahead, keep going. <laughs> Thank you, Trent. <laughs> but I remember this race that I just tanked, you know, and, um, and I didn't know necessarily how to move on. And I, I, I thought that like thinking about it more actually would help me be more motivated, but that's not the case, you know, cause then it just decreases your confidence. So what I would teach is learn when you make a mistake, quick, ask yourself, what did you learn? And then just maybe rephrase it as like, next time I will, right? Cause you can't do anything about what just happened, but you want to take the lesson in the nugget. And then you just got to burn it and burn. It means let it go. And we know if you have a strategy, like maybe a phrase you might say to yourself or something you might do, it helps you move on quickly. Um, and then return means let go of the mistake, check your body language and uh, your, and tell yourself some powerful self-talk, right? Like there's nothing you can do about the mistake that you just made, but you can really return to the present. And there's a, I, I don't know if you um, heard about this trend, but uh, again, I, I teach this to most of the teams that I work with. And when Adam Thielen was a senior in high school, or not high school, but in college here at Minnesota State Mankato, uh, when I was working with our team, we had this tiny toilet on the sidelines. Um, and it was like, you know, this this big, very pretty small, but players would literally go over there and, and pretend to flush it. And it actually did make a funny noise, flush noise, you know, if they had to let go of a play. So last year, 20... I guess this would be 2019 or 2020 in the playoffs, 
the Vikings were playing the Saints and um, it was at the Saints. The uh, Adam Thielen fumbled really early on in the game and literally an ESPN reporter saw him go like this on the sidelines, okay? And he comes back, um, does a great job the next play. He ends up having this incredible catch, you know, over his head to help the Vikings beat the Saints. So afterwards, the ESPN reporter said, you know, Adam, what are you doing to let go of the, the mistake? And he said, well, this mental training consultant taught me to flush my mistakes. <laughs> so like literally, uh, yeah, that's how I get an ESPN is flushing the toilet. But that, <laughs> that's an example of burn, right? That's, that's how you can let go of something if you have like an action or a phrase. Mm -hmm. It's fantastic. And, you, and you've given the vivid, I think, image for people to try to understand a little bit about what's happening, which is, which is awesome. Um, tell us about your own improvement process now as a pro, right? Without, not as a high school athlete or a college athlete per se, but like, again, you, you're spinning a lot of plates as a credit to you, right? There's a lot of diverse outlets for what you're providing, but how do you continue to stay sharp, right? Do you have particular strategies or or habits that you're using to, to continue to improve? Yeah, you know, I think um, I believe in just constant never ending improvement. So for me, you know, that might be uh, reading new things. Um, I also do practice where, you know, I have a practice every morning where I meditate and just try to get my mind right. Um, I might listen to some different types of meditations. Um, but I have a morning routine that really helps me because I find that, you know, we all have a negativity bias. And what that means is negative events store, link, store lo longer, they linger longer. Um, and we have to savor these positive moments for them to store from our short term to our long term memory. And in fact, what the research shows is we have to kind of savor them for at least 12 seconds for them to kind of get, stay in our brain. And I, I have felt like, especially since March, you know, Trent, you know, I'm always on the go. Like I'm speaking here, I'm going here. And like, I thrive off that. And then all of a sudden I am at my house, you know, <laughs> all day long, you know, and I'm not going anywhere. And I'm front in front of Zoom. I'm, lots of people feel the same way I feel, right? And so I've had to really practice my own mindset strategies this year of just like not listening too much to the news, um, thinking about what's going to help me feel good and giving myself permission to feel good. And it's okay if I don't always feel good, but you know, how can I practice this? So it gives me the best chance of success. So I think it's like, you know, I have to practice it myself and it's daily practice. You know, I think people might say, well, you know, oh, I, I, I practice this mindset stuff. I know what, what it is, you know, but it's, it's like you, it's like a daily practice because our negativity is so ingrained in us as humans that, you know, I just read, by the way, Trent, that if you watch the news first thing in the morning, you're 23% more likely to report having a bad day. <laughs> Yikes. So, and think about like, how much time we are spending on watching the news because we want to stay informed, right? right? But right. it's like, we have to pay attention to how that stuff is impacting us too. No doubt about it. No mm -hmm. doubt. Um, we'll finish in a moment with a, a couple words of wisdom, but I just want to cycle back briefly, if you would. I know you, you gave a, a flyby, right? Of your um, experience as a runner, you know, in Iowa, in high school and in college. If, if you allow us to take you back a little bit, because again, we have a lot of coaches and athletes that, that will listen, right? 
Um, what was your most enjoyable or rewarding part about your experience as a high school athlete in particular, whether it was in the actual running part of it or something related to it? What you, when you think back to that moment in time, what, what sticks out to you? Um, what sticks out to me is like the pride I had for my school and how I felt like I could represent my school. That was really important to me. And just like my coaches, my teammates, my parents, you know, I remember um, winning the state championship. And I remember this conversation I had right before the race with my dad. And, you know, mm -hmm. he said today, he said, when you're, you know, he, he reminded me it was my last race, you know, which oh, I yeah. appreciated as a high school athlete. He's, he's like, got to go for it. But he said, like, just turn your mind off and just run like from your heart. And I, you know, I remember like running those four laps of the mile and literally just repeating myself that to myself, like run with your heart, run with your heart. And I think actually like it was one of the moments that I did experience flow. I don't remember much of it. And I was so in the moment because I wasn't questioning things. I wasn't kind of in my head, right? Where overthinking things or doubting myself. Um, and that that moment was, you know, probably one of my best moments is just like at the end and celebrating with my team and my parents, you know, so For sure. isn't that what it's about? <laughs> it's like oh, yeah. Doing yeah. your best and celebrating with others and having fun with others. So let me extend it just briefly. When you think of all the influences that you had, and I'm going to say coaches, and they can be a traditional coach in a particular role. They could be a parent. They could be coach can come in a lot of different ways, but Maybe tell us about the one of the most influential coaches that you ever played or ran for. And what is it about them that makes them stick out to this day? Is there something you still carry from them? Yes. You know, I, I think there's two people that come to mind. I think um, throughout high school, especially, I think it was my dad and he was a sales, he was a salesman. And so he would read all these books about mindset related to sales. And then every kind of night we would have these conversations at the dinner table where he didn't even really know what he was teaching me. He was just teaching me things that he had learned to be a better, do better in his job. And actually that's how I, I, I think where a lot where my drive came from in high school is just like him having these conversations with me, asking me what my goals were, what I wanted to do. And I don't know if I had any of the answers, but the, that impacted me. And then I think it was, you know, my coaches, um, Dale Clefish was one of my coaches in high school and he held me accountable. There was one, um, uh, I think my freshman year, I didn't show up for practice. <laughs> Did I get in trouble? <laughs> <You know? laughs> um, but it's like, okay, he, he means it and he's serious and he always just positively supported me. And I think that's what actually the research does indicate is like this positive support, but accountability is really important. Um, and I think there's so much negativity coming from kids in a lot of different ways that it's like, if we can be uh, a, a supportive, caring coach um, that really does um, like, you know, hold our, our athletes accountable, we can't let them walk over us or not hold them accountable, but you know, they're gonna do a lot better if they know that we care and we support them. Yeah, well said. How about a teammate? Is there a particular teammate from your sport journey? Elementary, middle, high school teammate could be the, the boys you're running against. Uh, yeah. They could be, a, you know, the, 
the speedster from another school that you always had your eye on, but as, yeah. um, or someone just right on your high school team, is there a particular teammate that stands out to you as kind of a significant one? And, and what did you learn from them? Why, why'd you pick them? You know, I, uh, that's a great question. A really cool question. I would say like a woman named Liz Rossmeyer and, uh, okay. she was, um, my, you know, my freshman and sophomore year, she would always run ahead of me and I could never quite catch her, but she gave me, you know, so she was like a role model and she showed what it took to, to be successful. My coach would always say like, you don't necessarily have to go to these fancy camps in the summer, but you have to go to the Liz Rossmeyer camp. <laughs> and kind of what, what he meant is like run every day, practice every day. And she was a great role model for me. Like, I wonder if she wouldn't have been on my team, you know, well, maybe I wouldn't have even ran in college because she was like the person I was kind of striving to be, be more like. Um, and our role models are really important because, you know, there's a great quote by Jim Rohn that says like, we're the average of the five people we spend time with. And it's like, okay, if we're, we're hanging around people that um, are a little better than us or a little better at what we want to get, get great at, that just helps us raise our game. So um, sometimes we can maybe be jealous of those people, you know, and uh, kind of take the emotions like we're not good enough, but why not see those those people as like, you keep learning from them and growing right. and actually they're, they're an important part of your development. Yeah, fantastic. All right, so I'm gonna hit you with a couple final ones here. So kind of kind of the walk-offs, right? You're, you kind of words of wisdom or a piece of advice, however you want to package that. And I'll kind of give you three prompts. So the first one is if you could leave a, a nugget of wisdom or two or a word of advice for parents, right? If there's a parent listening to this and they've got kids in high school sports, you're working with kids and teams at all levels, you're observing sports parents constantly. What would you tell the parents listening to this one to be able to take most advantage or enjoy their sports experience as a sport parent the best mm -hmm. that you can? I think it's so important that we positively support our kids and um, remind them that you love them no matter how they perform. And I think that's important having these conversations around the dinner table about like how to go today, what are some goals you're trying to go after, like do help kids even though they you might not think they're listening, it does impact them. And I think I would just say like be careful of the pressure that you put on kids. You know, I got a call last um, fall from a high school runner, actually her, her parents, her mom, and this high school runner kept on dropping out of all of her cross country meets and they couldn't figure out, they gone to all these doctors to try to figure out what was going on. And finally they, you know, they came to me and they said, um, you know, we're, we're putting pressure on our daughter. We're not trying to, but we're telling, you know, we're just saying, Hey, you should, why don't you try to run with so-and-so and so-and-so and so-and-so. And, -so and, -so? and the way she was internalizing that is like, Oh, I'm not good enough. I'm not fast enough. And she was pushing herself so much that, you know, she was, she ended up quitting the races. So we had, um, some, we had some fun work to do. She ended up not quitting any other races during the, the nice. fall and she made it to state. It was so fun to like see her do so well and just love it again. Uh, but you know, I think sometimes we put pressure on our kids without realizing it. So paying attention to how they're internalizing what we're saying um, is really important. And one of your kids might be able to handle it. Uh, another kid might not, right? My two kids are very different. You know? So it's like, we got to kind of read how they're doing and then think about how we're going to respond. Awesome. 
So let's shift to the coach mode. You just gave a, you know, put it in the coach's framework a minute ago, which is great, but I'll give you another opportunity if you want to expand or just offer a different tip. But for the coaches listening, listening in, maybe they've worked with you and your group, maybe they haven't, but what's a tip or a piece of advice you'd give to the coaches in particular that are listening? I would say help your athletes learn and burn after mistakes. And there's so many times where I watch sports and I see the athlete get punished right away for making a mistake or being pulled right out of the, out of the game. And um, if we don't give any explanation to that, they kind of just go to extremes and they, we tend to, you know, just uh, again, our negativity bias, we think that we're not good enough, but pull them aside instead and just say, what did you learn? Okay, now burn it. You know, just don't, okay, just take the lesson. Don't think about it anymore. And when I think about high school athletes and the thing that I see them struggle with the most, it's confidence. Um, and it's like letting go of mistakes. And, you know, we're, we're the, the most hard, that we're the hardest on ourselves. You know, every single person is we're, I'm, I'm harder on myself than I am on you, Trent, right? Or, or any <laughs> buddy that I know, right? Even, um, sure. you know, the family, right? So it's like, we have to also be kind to ourselves as well. And I think as a coach, we can be a great role model for just learn and burn, right? And we have to kind of move on quickly too, which can be really difficult. Yeah. No doubt. Okay, so final op then for a student athlete listening in, right? And again, some may have met you and worked with you, some may not, but um, you got their ear for the final minute or two. What's your last talking point or, or final piece you'd give to the student athlete listening in? I'd say go for it. You know, there's so many times where we don't really spend time thinking about what do we really want. And so I'm going to encourage you to think about what is it that you really want in your, your athletic career? And sometimes we let our own self-talk or a fear of failure get in our way of just really going for it. But give yourself permission, maybe write some goals down of like what exactly that you want and hold yourself accountable. So that means like probably doing something every day to reach your goals. Um, and I think in, the, in, in that process, you know, it's like intentionally building your own confidence. Sometimes as athletes, we think that Confidence needs to come from our parents or from our coaches or from our teammates. But know that when we give up our confidence, meaning we let other people be in charge of our confidence, then uh, it actually really diminishes. So think about your confidence like a bank of money that like you can put in uh, a quarter every time you work out on your own, every time you train your mind, right? And, and all of that, that money builds your confidence and preparation is one of the best ways to build your confidence and doing things that maybe other people aren't willing to do because, you know, they aren't as committed or gritty as you. So I'd say like, think about what do you really want and then intentionally build your own confidence along the way. Fantastic. So this, I owe you personally, and this is a huge gift uh, to our community, right? We, um, this won't air, uh, at least for you and I, for a couple of weeks, but when it does, we'll make sure that we, we uh, get it well publicized. But uh, you've been a blessing to everything that, that we have going within Raiders Athletics, right? You're bringing a component to our, our training and our kids' experience that is, is just unparalleled from what we've done before and, and uh, is something we don't quite have the capacity yet to do on our own. But I know you're helping our coaches move forward in that regard. You're, help, you're creating different conversations at that professional level, but yet... Um, you know, I think you've probably realized this too. You, there's a lot of kids that have a chance to learn multiple times because if they're in, a, in, a, right. in two sports or three sports or it's a junior year, senior year, 
um, there's that repetition, not necessarily of the same lesson, but of the same conceptual practice, which is huge. So in the midst of everything that you have going on, self-selecting into that high school level to some regard, and then, and then keeping us in the queue at Hastings as one of your, uh, your partner schools is super appreciated. So, um, we thank and thanks for doing this today. This is awesome. I appreciate yeah, it. Yeah, this is really fun, Trent. And I just want to thank you so much and all the coaches and athletes who are listening who are open to us coming to do work there. We absolutely positively love it, you know, <laughs> and I'm not just saying that to say it, but it's like, wow, every time we can't wait and coaches and athletes there just have such great energy. So, uh, and this was really fun today, Trent. It was fun to, for me to think about, um, Gosh, where where I where I've come from, <laughs> the the fun things along the way that I don't always think about. <laughs> so thank you. That's awesome.